Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have a repeat guest, Trevor Greenway of Interval. Interval, for those of you who listened last time and those of you who are new to it, is a software platform for valuing businesses. So basically, it helps financial advisors and accountants and other professionals provide their clients with estimates as to what their business value is worth, help them nudge in the right direction, and a couple of other things to help them maximize what is possibly the largest asset they own. And with that, here's my interview with Trevor. Trevor, thanks again time again. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be back. Yeah, pleasure. So uh, Trevor Greenway, let's recap. What is Interval? So I think, as you said, you know, we've always been focused in on kind of providing and democratizing access to valuation, but really it's underlying business health for business owners. And what happens when you when you do, do indeed democratize that access? Everyone that orbits them, their professional advisors, are able to then be more proactive participants through that awareness as well, helping them build future value and increasing its value at a greater rate, but also mitigating risk uh, on that journey. So kind of the win-win between advisory relationships and the business owners they serve. Okay, excellent. So, all right, we uh, talked about the journey last time. Anyone wants to listen to that can go back and listen to that episode. But let's talk about where you, how you progressed in the last two to three years. So, talk to me about what's uh, what's changed, what's developed, uh, what roads have uh, you gone down? Yeah, it's been uh, anyone who says it's exactly as planned is lying. Uh, it's been a journey, but a great, yeah, great one and an exciting one. We've got an amazing team. We've continued to scale. Uh, we're now across the country in Canada, and now uh, have expanded into the U.S. as well. The problem is very much kind of resonating with people. You've got this kind of this convergence where you've got a large transfer of wealth inside of the baby boomers, uh, you know, going on and you've got people that are wanting to really have visibility to their underlying business health so they can maximize its outcome. And then you've got kind of this perfect storm where you've got a labor shortage uh, inside of accounting firms, even wealth advisory and, and in banking as well. So all of these, you know, these advisors that are there to help business owners maximize their outcome uh, are finding time to be a real challenge. Uh, visibility to information, really, you know, visibility to, to data and analysis that's been done uh, is a real problem because because time is the biggest constraint. So we've kind of got those convergence of factors that have allowed us to continue to, to scale inside of you know, our enterprise partners, our financial advisory partners, but ultimately service, you know, serving the, the end business owner to help them maximize that outcome. Excellent. So, all right, let's take it, let's go through the actual workflow of this, right? So financial advisor, accountant, evaluator, whoever else it might be, basically wants to help their client figure out what the business is worth. Talk to me about what that process looks like. So what it does, I think kind of in the financial advisory or accounting space, I think we can use kind of similar type flow where there's a, a built-in connection point. Really what our customers do is they actually embed it in whether it be a quarterly or annual review that they're doing with their customers. It becomes part of that process saying, really, let's take a snapshot of the current business health so that we understand how you're performing relative to your peers, relative to your goals. That's kind of the first and foremost is you got to, you have to set that expectation of here's where you are today relative to your goals. And now let's begin to track it. But before you tell them their baby's not pretty, you're telling them this might be why your baby's not pretty. Essentially, like we're, we're, yes, it's democratizing access to valuation, but it's why I keep saying like valuation is really just, it's a methodology. It's more about visibility to business health. How are you performing? And most importantly, what can you do about it? Really, that's kind of the, the entry point. So they're embedding it as part of that discussion. And out of that discussion, a series of things shake out where business owner is then aware, first and foremost, but then secondly, the advisor now understands, here's where I can add value to this situation. It might be risk mitigation, it can be insurance, it can be wealth advisory, it can be tax reorganizations that ultimately create a better financial outcome, but they have a role to play 
in that journey. But in order for them to play that role, automated discovery needs to be present and the business owner needs to be aware of the asset that they're looking to protect. We have to solve for all of those unknowns to ultimately create a cohesive and well-planned future goal, you know, future expectation for both business owner and then the advisory's role in it. Fair. So, and yeah, exactly, right? Because at the end of the day, telling someone what something's worth is one thing. Telling them why it's worth that and how they can improve upon that valuation is far more valuable. We've seen it. And, and so I think probably the biggest change since we chatted last was, you know, we've now been in market over multiple years. So we have a larger data set and we actually have trends to report on. We can actually prove that business owners that monitor their business health grow 15 to 18% faster than SMBs that don't. Huh? And that's in terms of enterprise value year over year. It's like stepping on the scale. It's really just the manifestation of all the terrible decisions we've made up until that point. But it's feedback that tends to drive behavior. So we now have this data that's telling us that that is indeed true. And therefore, them just monitoring it creates future AUM for their or future wallet share for their advisors that they now have a role to play as the, you know, the needs change and the business becomes more complex. Totally. And it's, um, again, another another space for advisors to basically advise on. But I mean, no surprise there, what gets measured gets done is the old saying, right? And uh, knowing that 15% a year, that's quite the, that's quite the top line. It, it is. Well, and again, that's in terms of enterprise value. So that's the enterprise value yeah. growth year over year. So it's not, their top line hasn't grown by that much. But if you look at, okay, oh. their EBITDA is X and their multiple is Y, and therefore like their net income is improving when they monitor and understand what's actually, the value drivers is far more important than the valuation. The valuation is like a broken clock. It's just never right a second time. It's just a snapshot in the moment. But what feeds it and what drives it is what's more important. Yeah, but I think that's the that's the most impressive part. Is I wasn't assuming it was it was fifteen percent increases in in revenue per year. I was thinking like there's got to be this has got to be an efficiency play. So I'm curious, do you have data on like what the what metro what drivers or what KPIs are being changed that are impacting this the most? Like what about these businesses is changing? But that's not a fifteen percent top line, resulting in a fifteen percent valuation bump. A lot of it is actually how they deploy cash, and mm-hmm. so one of the things that we're also analyzing, and we actually have data to support is excess cash on the balance sheet, north of what is actually necessary to run the business. So we tie directly to NAICS or SIC codes. So we're ultimately looking for what an industry needs to continue to operate based on its size profile. So we're looking to calculate the delta and seeing when excess cash is not being deployed properly or efficiently. So one of the things we're surfacing is on helping business owners understand, it looks like you have too much cash in the business that one of two things is true. You either should be extracting it in a tax-efficient manner and talking to someone about how you do that, or you should be reinvesting them. Right, because it's not doing you any good right there, just sitting there. Right. So that I think a lot of it is that is is really understanding where that sits. And then conversely, how they manage kind of ARAP days is a big, big thing as well as having them understand where the industry benchmark is for themselves to see again how they're being more efficient in the way that they're paying out their bills and ultimately uh, collecting the receivables as well. Yeah. So you're saying it's primarily a working capital play. Now, in my my history of this, it's interesting because working capital is one of those things that employ like most business owners have a hard time wrapping their heads around the efficiency of it. So very commonly, you'll see basically the habit of wanting to pay things as soon as they come in, right? So as opposed to taking advantage of, of credit terms, which is like, well, if someone's going to let you keep money for 30 days interest-free, why wouldn't you do that, right? Or if, if you basically can get that extended to 60 days, why wouldn't you do it? Because that represents a 30-day investment in working capital you need to make, right? So you have that. And then just like commensurately, like sometimes the lack of credit terms might be reducing their sales, right? It, that, that's another issue. And then as for the cash, look, 
I know that there's some people out there who very much want to have cash as a level for level security. Totally get that, but there is a cost to that. And I think the you know helping people reframe the fact that look, you maybe you know you had you're holding on to six months worth of cash. What takes the point here? You can run this thing with three to th- two to three, right? The other three months is either money in your pocket or what are the things you're not making, you're not doing in your business to make it more effective. So, um, so yeah, I find it's a very interesting conversation because, like I said, people have a hard time kind of wrapping their heads about it to some degree in terms of thinking it the way advisors and accounts are, tra- are trained to think about it. But then the other piece of it also comes down to the fact that the, um, so that's, that's on the, how do we manage it? What's always the difficult co- conversation is when they go to sell the business and they think all that cash is theirs, right? <laughs> you got to tell them, no, 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 no. You need to leave some working capital in there. So it's, it's, it's no surprise that something that is often the number one thing discussed the most is basically resulting, is resulted in probably the area of, of greatest improvement is what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's, it's predominantly there. Obviously, there's other elements. You know, we, we tend to surface, you know, current ratio and having people understand where the current ratio, how important it is uh, to really understand, you know, your debt to equity and your current assets over your current liabilities and how that all fits together. And we've even, you know, we've begun to surface opportunities for business owners where it appears like they might have some additional leverage, right? So, you know, they may not be thinking about, you know, you know, getting a loan, but they, we believe that they deserve to know that they might qualify, right? Because their balance sheet has the markings of that as well, right? So it, it's being a partner for them in their journey towards whatever their goals are. And it's why, you know, since we last chatted, we actually set, we've created created a goal setting feature where business owners actually get to set a future state goal. And we actually track their progress on it because it, yes, the, the snapshot today is important, but it's one step on the goal. Like we always joke about it internally. You know, it's like in the price is right where you saw the mountain climber kind of climbing up, you know, is we want to make sure that they understand that where you sit today is only a reflection of everything that's happened up until now, but it's not always a reflection of where you're going. So having them understand that there might be a specific goal and the timeline by which they want to hit it, it's really important that they track their progress on that. And we're giving them feedback on the things that they're doing, whether or not they're actually driving value towards that end, that stated goal. Excellent. So, I mean, no surprise, again, goal setting, classic, basic planning tactic. You know, if they have a goal, they're going to move towards it. So you set that future state. You've also, I believe, recently added a feature about setting a level of cash excess. Is that the case? Yeah, we have. So, you know, and for that, it's we're able to on both of our sites, both for our partners say, you know, ultimately, where would you like it to be triggered? Like, what's the threshold by which you want to make sure that you're having the right conversation in the moment, that automated discovery element. And then on the business owner side, having them understand like valuation can be complex, but really, again, back to the whole business health concept is what's making up your business health. What is the construction of this? Like, where do your non-operating assets sit? And ultimately, like, where does goodwill sit? And providing some access to some education because business owners need to understand how their value is constructed because not all things are created equal and how things might break down or a future sale, like all things that they need to be mindful of. They don't need to be an expert, but they certainly deserve to know more than they know today. They're too busy running their business and that's the, where their focus should be, right? But the expert access to some high level expertise, that should be a right, right? That feedback should be there for them so that they're educated to the point where, okay, I'm getting this feedback. It's like looking in the mirror. I don't always like the way I look, but if I don't like the way I look, I tend to do something different. So that we is a right that we believe that they deserve to have. Excellent. All right. So basically, since we last talked, again, the valuation has been built out a little bit further. You built up all this data. Talk to me about the different ways you've leveraged it. Is it solely around benchmarking, like where, like, or or specifically just maybe serving up the right KPIs? Like, how has that really informed the evolution of the software? 
it's working really closely uh, with both of our, our personas because we're kind of a B2B to C, depending on how you look at it. Like we're selling into an advisor or selling into an accounting firm or selling into a bank. They're then, they're using us as a conduit to add value to their business owners. They believe that their business owners deserve all the same rights that I just talked about. But we have to surface different insights to different people, right? The end business owner deserves to know how they're performing, how they can do, what they can do about it. Uh, we begin to really kind of have that be almost like their business caddy where you run your business, we'll analyze your data and tell you where the opportunities and risks lie because you will make better decisions with that information. That's So working closely with business owners to understand where does this work with their existing workflow is really, really important. You kind of got to meet them in their digital day-to-day, which varies in terms of complexity. And then on the institutional side, it's how are you working today? Where are your time constraints and what insights are of value to you? So we actually work very closely with our individual partners where they can set the parameters and say, I would like it sliced and diced this way. And I consider this to be a future high net worth individual. These are the people that I want to make sure that I'm adding value to and I'm wrapping my arms around because they are a client that I care about and whose long-term benefit I have to play an active role in. So it's working really closely with your partners to understand what's of value to you because we're able to analyze all kinds of data. They have to tell us what's of the most value, what is the highest priority so that they can be an active participant in their business owner's future. Excellent. So I'm curious, how often are you seeing, like on average, these valuations be updated? Because I mean, you have integrations into QuickBooks and Zero, So in theory, this could be pulled on a monthly basis. Or I mean, look, not everybody's as retentive as me when it comes to basically updating their books on a monthly basis, at least annually. So this can be pulled quite frequently. So the question becomes like, how often is it actually being used? So you called out astutely, you know, we do have integrations to to a number of cloud providers. So in that instance, we can pull it as frequently as daily, but we don't uh, because, you know, that would be a little bit, a little bit excessive. And we have a number of customers where we do pull it monthly. Often, you know, we typically see some people say, you know, quarterly sufficient uh, is what they're looking for. And annually, definitely, right? Is to see It's an element of the valuation doesn't change dramatically with the frequency with which you pull it. Because sometimes, like you said, you could have a good month, bad month, you could have a month that you didn't even close. Like there's a number of factors there that can impact it. But ultimately, the trends and what's happening in the underlying health metrics, where it starts talking about like your current ratio, your ARAP days, things that might be concerning, or we're starting to see something go a specific direction. That's where frequency is more valuable. Valuation, not so much. It doesn't really change that dramatically month over month, but on an annual basis, you know, we recently just had a, a customer give a testimonial through one of our accounting firms, and they said, it was really nice not to go to my year-end meeting. I didn't even ask about how much tax I owed. The first thing I asked about was, am I worth more than last year? And how am I doing? And so like, it was, it was just kind of a reframe. I'm sure the accountant loved that too, but it was really a reframing of what am I here to do? You are there to support me in a financial journey. You are not simply a means to an end. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. No, it's, um, and I think it's so, that sort of reframing is so valuable because it really does point to what matters, right? Like the reality is, is that maybe, you know, you're doing your, you want a business to do accomplish a couple of things, but let's face it. Every business's job is to create, is to make money full stop. Right. And every business owner, the, the biggest investment, a lot of them, most of them have is their business itself. So to be able to focus on, on how to optimize that with, with an informed conversation is just exactly what needs to be done. And it was exactly what was missing from a lot of these relationships. So I'm curious, after all this time, do you have, much, any, do you have any data on, on client exits that have happened and you know the relation of that exit value to say the value that you had uh, have proposed? The majority of it is relatively anecdotal only because we don't, 
you know, especially with our accounting partners, we don't stay close to the exit component, right? Is they you know they're ultimately playing a pretty active role. We do, I do know for a fact, you know, dealing with some of our financial advisor partners and even in some of the banking, they they have a vested interest in them maximizing the value. Everyone does, right? Is you know, your business owner wins, but so does the advisor who plays a role in it or gets to reinvest it, right? Like that, that's a big part of how this all this all works together. Um, at the end of the day, the market bears what the market bears. Uh, we just recently launched, uh, just started launching a feature to add in actual actual market comps to our valuation models where there's a I'm a bit of a valuation nerd when it comes to this. We kind of live all of this every day where sometimes cap rates are a bit of a lagging indicator and what's happening in market can be a bit disconnected from cap rates. And so there are certain industries where certain multiples or people hear about certain multiples and suddenly assume that that's the multiple now. Oh. Uh, so adding in some of the market comps is an important kind of component to reframing it where there's sometimes the backwards facing valuation is not always indicative of what can be had in market. So I think an education piece around that is important, but your question is a good one. We've got some anecdotes information, but we don't see enough of the data through because we don't own the customer, right? It's not our customer relationship. We are the mechanism to create value between the advisor and the business owner, and we don't play an active part in that outcome. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I liken valuations to similar like market returns. It's like, well, my neighbor said he did what? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> A, let's assume it's the truth because there's, a, you know, there's that's that concern. But B, also, the reality is, is that, like I said, you know, you, tell, you make the joke about telling people their baby's not pretty. The reality is, is that maybe that baby was prettier than yours, right? Like for any number of crazy reasons or a number of reasons, like everything from headcount to, to leases to basically uh, age of client base, whatever it is, right? There's lots of very valid reasons for why that works. And as your la lagging indicator, man, anyone who tried to get funding or sell a business in the last, let's call it 12 months has discovered that valuations have softened a bit, right? So it's, it's, not, it's not surprising. And that's, and I think that's okay, right? Is, is that I think what well, the last couple of years I think have taught everyone is that the markets, they're, they're not just continuously going to rise. And like, and by industry, you might see some trends, you might see some downward trends. Heck, we saw it in tech. And so I, I think the most important part is that giving people knowledge and education and information to capitalize when it reaches a certain point is that ultimately an exit from a business shouldn't be an emotional decision. It should be a data-driven one. And understanding what your goals are, what they need to be, what you need to kind of ultimately supplement what you've already invested and what your goals are in achieving those, that should be data. Data should drive that. It shouldn't be, I'm tired and now it's time to get out, right? Like that's a part of it. But in a perfect world, you don't ever get to that point because you capitalized in when the moment was the best for you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's absolutely bang on. It plays so well into my day job because at the end of the day, it's it's about giving them the option of retirement anytime they want it. And we need to know what the value, but the biggest asset being a question mark is the value. Because you know, prior to you, my valuations were, what do you think it's worth? Or what is the, you know, like, let's talk to the accounts and try to ballpark this. Or do you know of anyone else in the industry who sold? And what did that look like, right? So it's also, they don't get me wrong, valuators exist, but a lot of them just aren't willing to pay for it until you start getting closer to that finish line, right? So that's the challenge. So it's it's not surprising, but it's 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 great to have a tool where we can finally start take a, you know take away that what is actually going on here scenario and deal with something much more much more close to reality. That's the way it should be, and I, I've always likened it to you know you've got these advisors that orbit the business owner, the business owners at the center, and yep. when we can create visibility and sharing of information back and forth, I think the advisors can do their job better. Uh, and in less time because they get to, the discovery is then at that point automated. And the business owner, as I said, and I can prove, are building better futures when they're monitoring their business health. I, I, have, I struggle to see who loses in that scenario. No, there is no downside of this. I mean, unless unless your valuations end up completely out of whack and then we get the blame for it. But I'm sure you're very cognizant of that. So 
Good. So this, you know, that's what you've done to date. Uh, you know, any development or direction of development that you can share with us and tell us where you see it going? Yeah, we're um, right now we are beginning to we're ramping up. We're, we're ramping up to, to scale uh, and to add, you know, a series of uh, some series of new features. And really, a lot of it is now around how can we do this in a more and even more automated fashion. There's some interesting elements of AI definitely that are, are playing into how our models can work. And that's, you know, that's something that we're, we're kind of closely, closely monitoring and working closely with our partners on how to integrate uh, into their existing systems at scale to the point where you know, we can run 20, 30, 40,000 of these at any one time in an automated fashion by you know meeting people and meeting our partners in, in their digital day-to-day so that more business owners are educated uh, about their underlying health and really you know business fitness so it's a fascinating time to be in technology and I, I, I think we've we've done a, a pretty good job of, of kind of navigating some some market volatility and now you know we've got uh, some unique opportunities uh, ahead of us and we're starting to see I was just at the World Credit Union conference uh, last week I was speaking at it and a lot of talk about you know technological adoption and and ultimately you know how to how to be more efficient but still deliver more value to business owners it's this weird dichotomy you've got business owner expectations are rising for what they want from their advisory relationships. And that's across the board, right? The age of information has made it so that they expect more and that's good. But the question, you know, when you're, when you've got that against a backdrop of labor shortages in a variety of industries, makes it really hard to bridge the gap. And so there's this big push on how you can leverage technology, not to eliminate the humans, but to actually supercharge them and supercharge them in the things that only humans can do. And I think that's kind of this very fascinating kind of journey that's happening. And Moore's law is real. Things are going exponentially fast. Well, Moore's law is real until we get to the point where the uh, some atomic molecules are having a hard time going beyond certain nanometers, which is actually happening. I think the, the bigger issue is more so, you're absolutely right, is that the trend you just discussed is one that's been going on in the financial advisory business for a long time, which is the technology has made a lot of what was done 20, 30 years ago button push or very close to it and freed up all kinds of time. And whereas most people, most engineers, and I always make this joke about engineers and, and, and executives thinking, great, we can have you know one advisor with 500 clients. No, 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 no. Instead, the service offering has expanded and it's become more valuable because, and that makes perfect sense because all the heavy lifting stuff that was done before has become commoditized, right? You can open up a robo-advisor account in five minutes. There is zero value in access to markets because access to markets is achievable everywhere. It is everything that comes with it. So that's the challenge. So it's not, it's, it's right on trend and it's right, you know, again, you're just giving me another another way to provide value to clients that basically helps them get what it is they actually want out of life, which is making sure they're going to be okay. Excellent. So when we last spoke, uh, I believe you were solely in the Canadian market. I believe you moved into the U.S. market. Is that the case? And how's that going? We have. Uh, we we just began expanding to the U.S. market a few months back now, uh, really kind of focusing in on the financial and accounting vertical in the U.S. There was uh, there was some volatility in the banking uh, in the regional banking system in the U.S. following uh, Silicon Valley say. Bank and, uh, and a few different things. So I was it, it was nice for us because we have multiple verticals and really the accounting use case flexes across the globe where you've kind of got declining CPA graduation rates and increasing business owner expectations, which is not a great combo. So that's, a, a, again, the automation of, of discovery and really that applies in both accounting and in you know, financial advisory. So that's that's really where we're expanding into the US right now. And uh, so far, we've had, had some pretty good traction. And uh, there are certain elements of the market where Canada and the US are very different. Uh, this is not one of them uh, because some of the macro backdrop factors that are, are really impacting time uh, and how people are spending time and how time is finite and can't really be amplified in a human way has kind of presented a, a unique opportunity for us on both sides of the border. Yeah, the uh, 
Yeah, this falling CPA rates has been interesting. But then again, it's also a lot of what the, again, it's this entire thing of, I think the technology will save part of the problem, but it is, it, it is a challenge. So yeah. So, okay. Before we end up, uh, wrap it up, there's always the three questions I ask at the end of it. I will have to go back and see what your answers were last time and compare. Um, <laughs> the first one is if you had one wish for something to change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? It's an excellent, excellent question. What would I, it's not, not your first rodeo. No, that's, that's an excellent question. And, and I think probably one of the things in, in our company that, that I would change is really sharing more, sharing more openly kind of on the, on the engineering side as you scale. I think it's really, really important that when you're building a technology company, that people are rallied around kind of your North Star and, and what's important, the problem that, you're, problem that you're solving. And that gets increasingly difficult uh, with scale and also gets increasingly difficult with a remote workforce. So that's something I wish I could change. Again, a perfect world, you'd love everyone to be under the, floor, under the, you know, under the same roof. We kind of have a work where you work best policy, which is amazing and our team loves it and I, and I will never go back. But you know, that's kind of part of it is, is as you're scaling, Scaling, you know, you want to make sure that you do a better job of sharing those, uh, those, you know, the North Star and what it is you're doing, why you're doing what you were doing. Uh, and when you're small, it's easy to convey. And that's something that I, I, I wish I, I, it's probably a problem on me where I wish I could do that better uh, and figuring out ways to have that scale along with the company. Excellent. Second question I have for you. What's been the biggest challenging in the company where it is to date? I think it's being dependent on some market factors. Right, is that especially you know we're we're not like we're not venture backed like we are bootstrapped for the you know, for the most part uh, having some great kind of backers in the private kind of high net worth space, but we've never brought in VC money. It doesn't mean we're not going to, but we haven't. And I think we've scaled in a really kind of responsible way, which actually allowed us to not really kind of get swept up in uh, in the downward market trends. But that's that's something that is is a challenge, right? Is that you get the the macro backdrop, people hear about tech and the mass layoffs in tech, mm -hmm. and they assume it applies everywhere, and it kind of it feels like you see the market kind of right sizing when really a number of companies were never really worth that to begin with. It was all, you know, speculative. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the pendulum swung back the other way and it will probably swing back somewhere in the middle, but it might not get back to where it was. But I think that's probably one of the biggest frustrations is that even if you make all the right decisions, sometimes that, you know, the venture market and how it, how it views, you know, the industry at large. And then as a result, how everyone views the industry at large, you can't really control that. And that's okay. You just got to make sure that you're well positioned to navigate it, but it's the nature of the beast. Yep. Although I will say, and I always caution people, is that venture is not necessarily the way you want to go. It really depends on the nature of your business. There was an episode of my other podcast, uh, Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners, where VC and I discussed this. And it comes down to, you got to remember that the only job of a VC company is to get to the next round of funding. So you have to hit your, KP, hit, hit your milestones to basically unlock that next round, and then you're back on the treadmill again in 18 months. And really, it's incredibly useful when you're in a land grab situation, right? When you're when it's going to be a winner-take-all or near-winner-take-all market, then VC money makes a lot of sense. I don't know that you're in that market, quite honestly. I think you're a little bit more niche. And I think, I think because of that, I think not taking VC money is actually a wise move because it keeps you off that treadmill unless you do, because the treadmill's got its own price, right? It's got its own price. It, it, you literally have to ask yourself, do you want to live under that kind, of, uh, that kind of pressure and scrutiny? Uh, because the founders don't get to actually work on the tech for very long. They work on it for 12 months at a time and they start looking, starting to raise money every 12 months for another six months. So it's a challenge. So uh, last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you uh, getting up in the morning to fight the good fight? I think we're, what I'm most excited about is that I, I'm not going to say something as grandiose as we're creating a category because we're, we're not necessarily, but I think we're, we're helping people reframe the relationship between advisors and their business owners, where they both have a, venture, a vested interest in a great financial outcome for the business owner. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be when something pops up and is obvious and the business owner calls. Like I, I tell people that, we make, we're the mechanism 
to Creo, extract the data, analyze it, and make the phone ring. Is that's what we do? Is we make the phone ring. Business owners have opportunities, some of which they don't even fully comprehend yet because there are some leading indicators as to what's going on in their business. Our job is to surface it to them and then them say, oh, wow, there's something for me to do here. And therefore, on the advisory side, we are that conduit where we're able to say, your time doesn't scale. You can't spend time discovering. Discovery can be automated. Your job is to deliver on the value that, yes, you get to hit your numbers as the advisor, but that is a true value to the business owner that is either helping them hit their next milestone or their next goal, or is mitigating risk so that they never, you know, they never have something bad happen. And so that's something that our team rallies around and feels good about is that we're able to kind of meet people in their evolving world where this ecosystem of advisor and business owner can both benefit. If someone has to lose in order for somebody else to win, I think your solution's flawed. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Greatly appreciate it. Glad to see you're progressing. So that was Trevor Greenway of Intervel. Hope you enjoyed that. And of course, if you're in the market for valuation software, which frankly, if you're a financial advisor or dealing with business owners, just get it. Honestly, if you are, take check out Intervel. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.